Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilman nafi'ah. Allahumme erinel hakka hakkan varzukna ittiba'ah ve erinel batıla batıla varzukna ictinabe. Rabbi şrahli sadri ve yassirli emri ve hlul uqdatem min lisani yafqahu qavli. Assalamu alaikum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts or at the website wwwreflections rn.org as those who are watching this on uh, YouTube instead of listening on the podcast can see on the screen that is the website where we store all our all of our recordings and um, texts that accompany our recordings too and uh, inshallah this episode will also be uh, provided in the video format on YouTube uh, you you can go to the same website and click the link to the video uh, and 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 watch it uh, from there or on the uh, on YouTube you can go to the channel reflections RN uh, it will be much appreciated if you subscribe to either the video channel or the podcast that gives uh, me an understanding of how much uh, you know how many people are following out there inshallah okay um, since we started to record videos too we uh, went back to the very beginning of this podcast series where we had done an introduction about who Bediüzzaman Said Nursi is. Uh, we um, did a larger version, longer version of that and you can access that in four videos or four podcasts now. Uh, and in this episode, inshallah, we will um, look into what the Risale-i Nur is, the magnum opus of Bediüzzaman Said Nursi. We are going to try to understand, uh, have, a, have an understanding of what it is that Bediüzzaman Said Nursi wrote and that has been of so much benefit to the Ummah um, since the beginning of the, let's say, around the 20th uh, century, mashallah. All right, what is the Risale-i Nur? The Risale-i Nur is a Quranic commentary. It is a book of Hakiqah. And the Quran is the description and elucidation of the creator of reality, right? Of the reality to those who have understanding. So God of course, God is is reality too. But then we are, if you refer to the created reality, God is the creator of all reality, right? And in the Quran, He gives us a manual of the reality. What is it here for? What do we do with it? And what is our purpose in it? And so on and so forth. All of these questions we have answers to them in the in the Quran. And the Risale-i Nur is a commentary on the Qur'an and as a commentary on the Qur'an, it is a book of reality as, as, as reality is. Uh, but, you know, we can add things to this. It is a Qur'anic commentary that makes substantial contributions to the Islamic tradition. So it stands in the Islamic tradition. 
within the Islamic tradition. It comes, you know, at the more or less the end of the Islamic tradition. If we, you know, think that this has started, uh, you know, with the Prophet وسلم, and the companions and the followers of them and the followers of the followers in the, say, seventh, eighth centuries and on. And Bedouz Zaman Said Nursi lived in the 14th century of Islam. Uh, or you know, late 19th or 20th centuries, the the work he produced comes at the toward the ends of the Islamic tradition and takes into account the entire tradition and makes substantial contributions to it. Now, especially, I wrote here in the fields of kalam which can be translated as dialectical theology or theology or speculative theology. All of these are. None of these are perfect, but we have to have something. But we can also say kalam. It makes an important contribution in the uh, field of kalam and tasawwuf, uh, Sufism. Now, when I say kalam, we should be careful about that. And there will be more in this presentation, inshallah, about this subject. Kalam usually is a reactive process. There are questions out there. There are challenges to faith. There are challenges to uh, the, uh, the, the, the principles of uh, religion. And then those who are steeped in this tradition, those who know the tradition, the Quran, the Sunnah, uh, and uh, the, the commentaries on them very well, take the challenge, meet the challenge, and respond to it, respond to it with rational argumentation. This sometimes may be problematic because if you are reading a book of Kalam and you are not exposed to the challenges that are out there, you don't really need to know those responses. It doesn't really matter. Uh, there, there are some or there were some challenges, say, in the 8th century, 9th century, 10th century. Uh, you can read pages and pages about them in the uh, books of Kalam and it will not even make sense to you because you are not familiar with the challenge and th those are not the challenges of the times that we live in. Right? There are new challenges and there are there need to be new responses. And Bediouzama Said Nursi provides those new responses to the new challenges. Uh, so in that sense, it's a contribution to the uh, field of or discipline of Kalam in the Islamic tradition. But as different from uh, most Kalam books, it does not expose you to the problems and challenges in detail. It does not describe the challenge uh, out there before providing an answer to it so that so that it doesn't expose you to it right it provides you the answers it provides you the uh, it, it provides you reality and therefore when you're faced with a challenge that becomes a challenge because it has strayed away from reality you know what reality is and you have the answers to that challenge answers to that question but you are not necessarily exposed to the challenge. And in that sense, the Risali Nur is a safe book, right? Uh, according to Imam Ghazali, it is, it is not permissible for some people to read Kalam books because, you know, they don't have those problems, those suspicions. They have not been exposed to the, they have not been exposed to the uh, questions. Why, why expose them by, uh, you know, putting those questions, uh, problems and problematics in front of them, right? So in that sense, the Risale Nur is not a Kalam book, but it makes important contributions to Kalam.
but it makes important contributions to Sufism too. And this is too broad a subject for me to be able to um, explain in detail to understand that one should listen to everything we have provided in this episode because everything that Bedou Zaman Said Nuzi has written um, has aspects that should contribute to um, one's spiritual journey and progress and improvement and the the, the larger literature about this, the larger literature about Sufism and um, the, the description of Gnostics, those who have realized reality as reality is, uh, their descriptions of what the reality out there is. And of course, this oftentimes requires metaphorical expressions. It cannot be precise because um, for the average human being, the point of reference is this world and this is about something that's beyond this world. But at any rate, these are really important. Con there, there are really important contributions to the disciplines of kalam and tasawwuf in the risal e nur. But also, also, we should add to that that it offers important insights about the methodologies usul, right, of the sciences of Quranic exegesis, tafsir, and prophetic traditions, hadith, and in some you know places to a lesser extent probably uh, about usul al fiqh as well. Uh, the, the, the methodology of uh, Islamic jurisprudence as well. Now, this Quranic commentary, the Risale Ainur, was written by Bedu Uzaman Said Nursi, who lived 1877 78 to 1960. And once again, uh, we have a quite detailed uh, analysis, reflection upon his uh, the story of his life in four uh, about one hour video episodes. Uh, those who are interested in learning more about Bedou Zaman Said Nursi should inshallah listen to those episodes or watch those episodes. <coughs> so the, the Risale Nur is a Quranic commentary written by Bedou Zaman Said Nursi, who was a great scholar of the 14th century of the Islamic calendar. So we will provide a very brief outline of his who, who Bedou Zaman Said Nursi was here. He was born in 1878 or possibly 1877 in the Kurdish regions of the Ottoman Empire, uh, today Southeast Anatolia. He received his initial training there in the local Islamic seminaries, that is madrasas, before going on to become one of the most learned, insightful and respected scholars of the Ottoman Empire. He was appointed to the top institute of Islamic scholarship in the empire at some point in his life. Uh, but then, when the Turkish Republic replaces the Ottoman Empire in the 1920s, the ruling elite of the New Republic turn against um, religion, and as part of that process, that they exile Nursi, Bedou Zaman Said Nursi, or Ustad Nursi, as his students refer to him, teacher Nursi, or teaching master Nursi, to a remote village in West Western Turkey. And they condemned him to a life of persecution, basically, until his death in 1960. Um, they cannot find legal reasons to execute him, but they actually poisoned him several times throughout his life, too. They, they just can't get rid of him, uh, I would say, because he had a duty to fulfill. And that duty was given to him by God, and God was protecting, protecting him, right? Anyway, uh, he manages to write this magnum opus, which is the Risale Inur Kulliyat, or the Compendium of the Compendium of the Epistles of Light, 
in this period while he is being persecuted confined to um to you know small villages small towns imprisoned being tried in court uh, under police uh, under police scrutiny during this period under real really really hard conditions he writes this book um he could write of course but his right handwriting was not very good and he, he wrote very slowly so most of the time he needed somebody to dictate uh the the treatises that made the Risale Einur and you know as we said there is a there is a duty that is given given by God and he who gives the duty provides the means for its fulfillment too uh despite all those hardships he had students around him who would uh, take note of what he would he was saying he could dictate to them so he would often dictate his teachings in the form of small treatises to the members of a small circle of devoted students who braved persecution with him uh, the first court trial uh, that they were all taken together where there were more than 150 people uh, you know taken to uh, detained and then tried in this trial his students would then hand copy the treatises of the reciting so he something comes it's usually there's some level of inspiration that comes as a result of his preparedness of course uh, and he says to his students right and you know oftentimes there's someone who is ready with pen and paper takes the pen and paper and writes uh, quickly and then that person would then go and uh, you know prepare a clean copy of that and then they would start to distribute this whoever is interested would take the clean copy and you know copy it and then move on his students would hand copy the treatises of the Risale Enur secretly and spread them secretly throughout Turkey. And this led to a network of distribution. Um, only in the 1950s, eventually, like he was exiled in the 1920s, 1950s, the Turkish state relaxes its grip on religion to some extent and allows Nursi to publish his works openly in print. Until then, it is all hand copied and distributed through, through manuscripts. And according to some uh, to-do uh, observation of a prosecutor who um, prosecuted Nursi at, at the end of the 1940s, there were about 600,000 hand-copied uh, pieces of the Risale Nur. We are not talking about you know, full books, uh, but treatises within books. About 600,000 hand-copied pieces of the Risale Nur all around the country. MashaAllah. And this is all happening uh, underground. Um, but you know, by in the 1950s, they allow him uh, to print these works openly. And since then, since the 1950s, when it was first, uh, uh, when be, first became possible to publish the Risale Inur works of the Risale Inur, it has been translated into dozens of languages, more than 40, certainly more than 40, close to 50, uh, dozens of languages, and it has inspired millions of Muslims in both Turkey and throughout the world, from Indonesia to America and Canada, from Mexico to Russia, uh, although they are banned in Russia, uh, in, in Russian translation, but the Turkish originals are still possible to read. And you know, despite the ban, there is so much benefit in, in this that people, people, you know, brave, uh, brave the ban and, and, and read it. It has inspired millions of uh, Muslims around the world. It has 
being the means for the Hidayah guidance of thousands of people around the world and help millions, millions of people to preserve their faith. Uh, mashallah. So it's a it's a very important book of uh, irshad too, right? Like a, a book of providing right guidance to uh, humanity and and to believers. Mashallah. So what is in the um, Risaleinur? Ustad Nursi compiled his treatises into four major books, and these are the you know beginning and the core of the Risaleinur. And, and these books are named Sözler, which can be translated as the words. So it's composed of 33 treatises and Ustad Nusi called each treatise a word. So the first word, second word, third word, fourth word. Uh, this was written early um, 1926 through mid-1930s. And then chronologically, he writes Mektubat or the letters. And these are usually, um, again, treatises, uh, again, 33 of them, and they were usually written in response to questions that Ustad Nursi's students asked uh, him, like questions about major issues of the ilm al haqiqa, the knowledge of uh, reality. Uh, and, and most of them actually were asked by one particular student, Hulus uh, Yahyagel. And then again, chronologically, uh, and, but this is not a very precise order, sometimes there could be one letter written before and, and you know a flash but in general chronologically there come the lemala the flashes uh, and these are also written mostly mostly uh, between 1926 to mid 1930s uh, and then shu'alar the race so these are the four major books in the compendium these four books constitute the main body of the risaleinur right but it's not all that the total number of books that you will find if you go to a bookstore as uh, in, in the compendium and uh, in the Kulliyat compendium of the Risale Inur is more than that 12, 13, sometimes 14 books will be included. Right? So what what is what are the other books? Uh, these were these constitute the main body of the Risale Inur along with Nursi's correspondence with his students. That's very important. There are um, three major books that come out of this correspondence. So the Risale Inur was not only about elucidation of the realities uh, under the guidance of the Quran, but also about uh, you know guidance, practical guidance on a day-to-day -day basis about how to understand those realities, how to practice them in life, uh, how to spread the word. Right? All of these things are included in these uh, letters, correspondence and that Ustad Nursi had with his students and they are included in the uh, in the Risale Inur as lahikas uh, or or or, or uh, addenda. Uh, so there are three of them but one of them is large so it's in two volumes so that makes four uh, more volumes. Um, what else? Oh, so it's correspondence with his students and statements of defense in various court trials are also included in there. And then there is one authorized biography of Ustad Nursi that's included in the compendium. Um, his students wanted to write this and they wanted to go into great detail about his life. And, and there's a lot to be said about Beduzama Said Nursi's uh, life. And there it, it can easily turn into a geography. There are so many... Um, 
miraculous, extraordinary, awe-inspiring happenings in his life. So they, they were focusing on these, but he suppresses them and he wants them to focus on uh, the story of the production of the Risale Inur, uh, basically. So that's mostly what is in the uh, authorized uh, biography of Bedou Zaman, uh, Zaman Said Nursi. And then two of his earlier works are included in the compendium. One of them is a uh, Quranic exegesis of a commentary on the, uh, the first chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Fatiha, and the first 33 uh, verses of the second chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah. Uh, he wrote this uh, commentary actually on the front line as he was fighting the invading Russian forces during World War One and, and commanding a uh, regiment of voluntary uh, paramilitary unit uh, soldiers and he intended it to be the first volume of an about 60 to, 60 to 70 volume you know complete exegesis of the Quran focusing primarily primarily on the Quran's eloquence um, Balagha uh, but things happened in ways that he could not predict at the time he started this work. Uh, he was wounded, he was taken as a prisoner of war to, to Russia, he did not have students to dictate around him, and then when he came back to Turkey, the Ottoman Empire was defeated, uh, there was the resistance, uh, he got involved in that, uh, resistance against occupying European forces, uh, and then he was exiled, and when he was exiled, and the Turkish Republic, the ruling elite of the Turkish Republic turned against religion and this was something that was actually spreading like, like wildfire around the world. Irreligiosity in the 20th century spread like wildfire in the uh, 20th uh, century. It was, its roots are in the, you know, much earlier and established, especially in the 19th century at an intellectual level, but then through public edu education, mass media and so on and so forth, irreligiosity was spreading like wildfire in the 20th century and it was dictated by the state in Turkey and the Soviet Union and some other places too. So seeing this, Bedir Zaman Said Nursi changes course and instead of focusing on that, uh, you know, deeply scholarly work of the Quranic commentary, he writes this book of reality, uh, again a Quranic commentary. It is a, it is based on the Quran too. It is the Risale Nur is commentary on about 600 verses uh, from the Quran uh, that are explicitly stated in the in the uh, compendium. But then the commentary on those 600 verses are based on other verses too. So if one were to really carefully read someone who knows the Quran very well and the Hadith very well, if one were to uh, you know, carefully read the uh, Risale Nur one would probably be able to identify you know, maybe all verses from the Qur'an and thousands of uh, prophetic traditions uh, in the Risale Inur. So at any rate, one of the books, including the compendium of this uh, commentary uh, on, on Surah Al-Fatiha and the first 33 chapters, uh, verses of the uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, the first chapter of the Qur'an, and it, uh, it provides an example of how a really powerful commentary can be written um, uh, at our time. So it, it, it is, in a sense, it's a work in progress. It's waiting for he who will be able to continue the work, inshallah. 
so another one of those uh, earlier works is Mathnavi Nuri, Mathnavi al Arabi al Nuri, the Arabic Mathnavi uh, of Light. Um, it is actually a collection of small treatises that Badu Zaman Said Nursi wrote in 19, between 1919 through 1922 or so. And that is a really important period in his life because it seems he had his, uh, probably one of his, uh, spiritual journeys during that pe period, similar to Imam Ghazali uh, becoming a you know master at the Nuzamiya madrasas and then not being able to teach any longer and seeking something higher and you know traveling and going through a uh, you know spiritual journey and a, a period of awakening. That seems to be what was happening to Bedou Zaman Said Nursi in this period, and he had his intellect intact throughout his journey and thanks to that he was taking notes to self so the the second earlier work and in, that's included in the compendium of the risale -e nur is a, a collection of those notes to self which was originally published in small treatises but then you know put together originally in arabic um, all but a very small part of that uh, collection is in Arabic originally it is translated into Turkish so if one were to go to Turkey and you know pull a uh, in, in a box a collection of Risale Inur in Turkish you will find a Turkish translation that was made by uh, Beduzaman Said Nursi's brother uh, and by the way the Quranic commentary was also in Arabic originally and it was also translated by his uh, brother but it is not a full translation uh, it, it was so uh, profound that his brother uh, decided to skip some parts because he thought he could not articulate it as as well um, or in in, a, in in the in the way that it deserves to be articulated so he skipped some parts uh, but for those who know uh, Arabic uh, that Mathnavi al-Arabi al-Nuri is a really important work that uh, in Bedou Zaman Said Nursi's words constituted the nursery of the Risale Nur so if the Risale Nur is a a garden, an orchard of trees, fruit-bearing trees. The Mathnavi al-Arabi al-Nuri was its nursery where these ideas started to uh, sprout. Yeah, mashallah. Um, and then a third earlier work sometimes included in the compendium and it can be considered a, uh, a book on the method of exegesis uh, and so on and so forth. Right. So, the, but these are the major works that are included uh, in the uh, Risale Inur. In addition to this, this collection, we have one book that is collated from other parts of the Risale Inur, right? And a collection of inferred references to the Risale Inur from the Quran, as well as the poems of Ali radiallahu the fourth caliph, the son-in-law and the cousin of the Prophet وسلم, and Abdul Qadir al-Jilani. So Bedou Zaman Said Nursi looks at poems by uh, Ali an, and Abdul Qadir al-Jilani and the Quran and using the signs of Abjad or Jafar and looking at the meanings contained therein, he uh, identifies references to the Risale Inur and the happenings of the 20th century um, so we know that Ali radiallahu anh said uh, that his knowledge 
would not increase if the veil of ghaib, the unseen, was lifted. So he was given the knowledge of things to come in the future too, based on, of course, you know, only God knows the future, right? But there are indications of this placed in the Quran uh, and in the cosmos. So based on those indications, he, 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 he had an understanding of the generals of what was uh, to come. Uh, and, you know, saints of God, prophets of God know uh, the unseen to the extent that it is made known uh, to them. So in those poems by Abdul Qadir Jilani too, there are indications, references or signs to the happenings of the 20th century and among those happenings to the Risale Inur, Nur, Inur as one of the major, major happenings of the uh, 20th century. And I'm saying this with uh, you know, full assurance, the, the authoring of the Risale Inur was one of the major events of the 20th century or the 14th century of Islam. It is a groundbreaking commentary on the Quran and there is nothing more important. There is nothing more important uh, that has been uh, revealed to humanity than the Quran. So a groundbreaking commentary on the Quran will of course be one of the major events of the age that it was uh, written in. So that book is uh, also included in the compendium. So altogether, these books amount to about 6,000 pages, maybe more, depending on you know what the font is. But usually, usually it is uh, printed in about 6,000 pages of print in Turkish. Um, now, Ustad Nursi's overall work also comprises other earlier treatises, other earlier works, including two on logic, and they are really, really, I mean, really profound works on uh, the science of logic. Uh, you know, only experts will understand. And that was the point. At that time, in his earlier life, he was writing for scholars, for those who would provide guidance to the community, not the community itself, but those who would provide guidance to the uh, community. But when that became impossible later on, when uh, scholars were prevented from being able to preach, Right? He then, he then uh, switches to books of direct guidance, Irshad, in his life. Uh, one, in, one on algebra, uh, he, he was a genius in that too. He wrote a book on algebra, but unfortunately we don't have it. It burned in a fire. Um, one on physiognomy, uh, which also burned, we don't have it. Right, as well as several, uh, you know, rearrangements of the letters and treatises of the Risale Inur, and he also has lots of earlier works published in the periodical press of the Ottoman Empire from the earlier period. But what makes the Risale Inur, right, in his broader uh, collection of works, what makes the Risale Inur are primarily the words, the letters, the flashes, the rays, and the addenda. Uh, composed of his correspondence with his students and, uh, you know, statements in court trials and so on and so forth. And to that we can add uh, Mathnabi al-Arabi al-Nuri and uh, the commentary on the uh, first chapter of the Qur'an and the first 33 verses of the second chapter of the Qur'an. So this is more or less what is in the Risale Inur, uh, mashallah. Um, as we already mentioned a little bit, in the earlier part of his life, 
during the Ottoman era, Ustad Nusi wrote his most important works in Arabic. He was a scholar. He was using the scholar language of uh, this tradition. He was writing for scholars. In the Republican era, however, he wrote mostly in Turkish, addressing the predominantly uninitiated peasants and small townspeople around him. So he was exiled to a distant village and then to a small town, right? He's, these are the people around him and he's teaching them, right? And trying to preserve their faith and piety in an environment where government powers mobilize to undermine religion. Now, we should not say, well, government powers are not mobilizing to undermine religion now, and therefore this is not relevant to me. No, it cannot be, that cannot be further from truth, right? The government powers are not mobilized to undermine religion now, but those government powers were functioning within a broader trend in the world that, you know, sometimes people define or, or, or name uh, the age of secularity. Right, uh, the capitalist world that we are living in, especially the consumerism of the world that we are living in, the urban anonymity that we live in, um, the authority that science as an establishment, not science as knowledge, but science as an establishment has acquired and the way that science has been um, configurated and what informs that science in a metaphysical sense right um, the way that entertainment addresses and corrupts our lower souls in the world that we live in all of these are more powerful impediments than uh, than whatever that that the Turkish government was doing in the early 20th century uh, impediments to our ability to preserve faith and piety, right? So this is an age. This is an age of, Ustad Nursi uh, uses the word, calamities and tribulations. Actually, he doesn't use the word. Uh, he has a dream. And in that dream, a um, congregation of, he said, like most important people, really important people. So I can imagine that the prophets and saints and so on and so forth were included in that congregation. They address him as a representative of the age of calamities and uh, tribulations or troubles and tribulations. This is that age, right? So preserving faith and piety in this age at this time is a great task, great challenge for all of us. And we need all the means that we can, all the help that we can in order to do that, right? And Risale Inur is a big help in that respect. So his, as a result, he was addressing these people, right? His later writings that are included in the Risale Inur follow a pedagogical order and style, right? Not high level Arabic terminology and so on and so forth, but pedagogical order and style rendering even the most complicated matters of religion or theology more or less understandable for Nursi's uninitiated audience. Now that doesn't take away from the, the depth of the depth profundity uh, of the matters that he is discussing. He is discussing profound matters. Oftentimes he provides solutions to 
you know, centuries-old problems in the tradition and so on and so forth, right? But he was articulating it in a way that was understandable, accessible, intelligible for his uninitiated audience. However, the Risale-i Nur is also packed with profound insights and clarifications on all disciplines of Muslim thought and spirituality. Right? Muslim thought and spirituality. I mean, it, 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 uh, it takes the whole tradition. Uh, Ustad Nursi had absorbed, consumed, and digested the whole tradition. Somewhere he says that a true scholar should not give to uh, his his audience, um, you know, regurgitated food. The word that birds give to their uh, chicks. Right? They chew the food and regurgitate it back to their chicks. It's not digested, it's not pure. It's, um, it still needs to be processed and consumed. Uh, he says a true scholar gives to his students, to his audience, pure milk like sheep, right? digested and purified milk. That's what he is doing. Right? So it's packed with profound insights and clarifications on all disciplines. He had digested all disciplines, all the the, the tradition. As such, it is deeply integrated into a long and blessed tradition of Islamic scholarship and has its ranks among the likes of Imam Ghazali's the revival of religious sciences, Mawlana Jalalatin Rumi's Mathnavi, Ibn Atayla al-Iskandari's Hakam, and Imam Rabbani's Maktubat. So, we need to place the Risale Nur, right, on the top of the shelf of, uh, if you will, the, the the Islamic tradition, right. These are all books that receive their light, that receive their guidance and inspiration from the Quran, from the prophetic traditions. They digested that light and refracted it. Uh, onto their ages, onto their audiences, in a way to meet the challenges of their ages, in a way to respond to and provide solutions to the problems of their respective audiences. Sometimes they are timeless. They deal with such problems that those problems never go away. Right? The, the problem of uh, dealing with our lower souls. Right? And they have aspects that are about these timeless problems and therefore they are timeless. But then they sometimes have aspects that are uh, in response to their particular circumstances and they are less relevant. The Risale-i-Nur is like that, like those books. It deals with timeless problems, timeless questions and issues but it deals with them in a way that's going to make most sense to, uh, to an audience of our times. So, on the top shelf of the Islamic tradition, the Risale Nur is not just an ordinary commentary on the Quran. It's not one among many. It is a masterpiece that is grounded firmly in the Quran that affirms and provides evidence for the agreed-upon aspects of the Islamic tradition, then this is very important, 
in order to understand where it stands in the tradition. It affirms and provides evidence for the agreed upon aspects of the Islamic tradition while offering reasonable solutions to matters of disputation and matters that become matters of disputation in our times, right? And that connects the Quran and prophetic teachings to a sound observation of the cosmos that is observed reality. And that is, this is also very important because this is the empirical age. This is the age in which observation, experimentation, scientific uh, discovery and, and scientific exploration has become the authority in the minds of many people, right? And our uh, in, in interpretation of religion, right? Our thoughts, a system of thought based on uh, that that is inspired by the Quran and the message of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam needs to take that into consideration too, right? And we have the means for that because the book, uh, the the Quran is a is a uh, book that reflects the reflects that created reality out there, right? And therefore, the cosmos and the Quran are two. Uh, books that can be read and should be read side by side and that is what um, that is what especially the com companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did right so the Risale Inur in a sense tries to revive that method that uh, that that um, approach of the companions of the Prophet or the approach that he instilled in his uh, companions. Um, it does not offer a verse-by-verse -verse commentary from the first chapter of the Quran to the last. So sometimes, you know, I'm saying, or everybody says, like, it is a commentary on the Quran. And because some people are familiar with these, uh, you know, uh, more conventional commentaries that starts from chapter one goes all the way to the last chapter of the Quran, right? When they take the Risaleinu in their hands and start reading, they cannot really make sense of like what kind of a commentary on is this, right? But it is a commentary. As I said, there are about 600 verses that are directly commented upon and the, and the explanations that are provided about those 600 verses are driven uh, from the Quran too. Um, but it's a different kind of uh, commentary. It focuses on key concepts and messages of the Quran that are most relevant to the problems, concerns, and questions of the contemporary world. It is not the product of an effort to demonstrate the author's intellectual capacity to master and synthesize earlier scholarly works without a corresponding realization of truth with a capital T, right? It is not about... But there's a Masaid Nursi memorizing the, I don't know, like 265 different commentaries that were written before him and synthesizing them and providing a, uh, a synth um, uh, synthesis of that work, right? That's also valuable. And there are works that are written in that, uh, in that uh, you know, in that manner. But this is a work that benefits from all that tradition, all those works that have been written before. Uh, and Bediouzama Said Nursi was a you know, voracious reader and he had a very sharp 
memory, uh, he could keep all the, most of what he read in his mind. He usually he usually memorized books. He did not just read them, but memorized them. And he had a very uh, a very sharp and fast intellect that could connect things very uh, in creative ways, in meaningful ways. So he was a great synthesizer. But at the end of the day, this was all preparation for something higher, right? And that's something higher. That thing that's higher is uh, with that preparation, being able to expose oneself to the light illumination that's coming from the Quran and receiving that directly from the Quran, right? And that takes us to um, the Quran being a book that describes reality as reality is and truth is knowledge that corresponds to reality right therefore um, you know it, 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 it was a, it is a commentary that includes uh, and reflects that realization of truth and this is not the only commentary that does that, right? There, you, you know, we can find other commentaries in the tradition too. And, and and most scholars, to some extent, are doing this. So this is the prime task of a uh, scholar. But Bedouz Said Nursi does that in a really in a masterful way, masterful way, in a way that is really pure map, digested food, nutrition, right? It is the Risaleinu, therefore, is the product of a true realization of the reality as reality is under the guidance of the Quran, which the author attains through a sincere intellectual and spiritual struggle. Right? It doesn't just come, right? I mean, there's a lot that comes, but it comes in response to his sincerity, in response to his openness to reality, in response to his struggle with his self, lower soul. So that struggle is first with his own compulsive soul and then with the suspicions and misguidance of positivist and, and, and this positivist and self-indulgent age. And that is why it is very important that we take the Risale Inu seriously. It is refracted from the Quran with the challenges of this positivist and self-indulgent age in in, in mind the tremendousness of that reality right we are talking about the quran being a book of reality book describing us defining us guiding us to reality the tremendousness of that reality as illuminated by the quran reflects on the risale inur this is the main secret of the risale inur right it reflects that light that comes from the Quran. Nursi does not waste a single word in, in the Risale Inur. Therefore, it's very difficult to translate. I have been in, involved in translation of the Risale Inur for a long time now. It is very difficult to translate because there is not a single word that is you know, put in there as a filler. Right? It's very precise. He has a lot to impart to his students. And when, because he has so much to impart to his students, he is not going to waste words. 
he writes in a concise and tightly packed narrative that enables multiple layers of understanding in accordance with the reader's intellectual as well as spiritual preparedness and this is very important too his audience was the, his like first rank audience was the uninitiated peasants and small townspeople right and they 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 had a benefit in the Risale Inur but that does not mean that it was like a children's book written for children only it is packed and it enables multiple layers of understanding so scholars you know scholars who have who become professors of say Quranic exegesis or uh, the prophetic traditions or usul al-fuqh and so on and so forth in you know Muslim scholar institutions in in the madrasas they take the Risale Inur and they benefit from the Risale Inur. They benefit at a higher level, right? But the uninitiated audiences also benefit. Now, what should this have to do with us? Assume that we are all uninitiated beginners. I am. Well, I read once. And now I'm not uninitiated any longer. It, I have benefited. My level of understanding has been elevated to some extent. Then I come back and I read again. Now there are new openings. Then I come back and I read again. Still new openings. Right? So the more a person reads the Risale Inur, the more their preparedness increases enabling them to come back to the Risale Inur and discover new meanings and pathways to realization in it. Therefore, sincere readers of the Risale Inur maximize the benefits of engaging this blessed commentary by reading it not just once but continually and repeatedly. Inshallah, uh, we had and we will have again uh, an episode on how to read the Risale Inur and you know, we can talk more about this uh, over there, right? But the Risale Inur is not a book to be read once and assume that you have understood it. Yes, you have understood it, but there is more to be understood because you did not have the preparation that you needed to understand some higher uh, levels of uh, reality and discussion that is in there when you first came to it. Now that you read once, now you're prepared, come back and you'll have more. And then come back and you'll have more and then come back and you'll have more right it is like the quran the quran is like that we never get tired of reading the quran we never uh, cease to, to to receive effusions from the quran we cannot exhaust the quran and the risale inur is like that because it is a reflection of the quran it's a commentary on the quran it's not in a book it is a commentary on the Quran and therefore you can keep coming back and it is not a commentary on the Quran in a formal sense in a um, in the sense of formality is like grammatical rulings and so on and so forth not it's not a, a commentary on the Quran in the sense of synthesizing other commentaries no it is a commentary on the Quran if you think of the Quran as a book as the, the book of reality and the Risale Inur as a commentary that receives its illumination from the Quran in order to understand reality. So if you think of it as a book of reality too.
Now, some detail about uh, the Risale-Nur's methodology. We said that Ustad Nusi, you, uh, you know, follow the pedagogical method in order to make those realities available to his students, right? So what is that? Um, Ustad Nursi's students, as we mentioned, refer to him as Ustad, meaning a teaching master. So he was a teaching master. He was teaching. He was writing for Irshad, right? He was writing for Irshad. Now, the secret of this is that he was writing for Irshad, providing rightful guidance, first and foremost, to his own self. On, on lower soul. We all have lower souls and all of our lower souls are distracted and straying away in one way or another. He was first trying to provide a shot to his own, own lower soul and the sincerity that emerges from this, right, is the secret for why uh, the Risale Nur became a book of Irshad for everybody. So among, among Ustad Nursi's teaching methods is tamthil or tamthil in Arabic. That is the use of representations, comparisons or parables to explain complex ideas and facts. Ustad Nursi takes his example in utilizing this method from the Quran. That's, that's a Quranic method. You can find it you know, all through the Quran. As well as from the great teaching masters of earlier times such as Mawlana Rumi and Saadi Shirazi and he names he mentions these two by name uh, in relation to this issue. He says, be like them, right, in, in, in articulating realities, in articulating truths. And thus, most treatises of the Risale Nur first bring the subject closer to the reader's understanding by setting a pattern of thought or line of argumentation through tamsil or representation, right? It, he, he tells you a story. It's a representational uh, story. It's a parable basically, right? And in that story, you understand the matter in a concrete sense, very easy, concrete sense. You understand how this happens in this world. Now that you understood that matter in that concrete sense, in your mind, you have a line of thinking. You have a cognitive framework, right? Then he, he uses that cognitive framework, that line of thinking, right? That, that pattern, to describe or elucidate a sublime truth that could have otherwise remained too complicated or abstract or complex for the reader to comprehend. Now that you have the pattern, now you have the mold, now that you have the cognitive framework, the complex and abstract matters of that higher reality, that higher truth, fall in place. This is the method that he is using. <clears throat> Now, Ustad uh, Nursi was a master of logic and logical argumentation. As I mentioned, he has two masterful works on logic in his earlier uh, life. Uh, he used logic and logical argumentation competently in his you know, earlier works, uh, scholarly interactions in debates, scholarly debates, and in the Risale Nur too, right? But he's not going to poke it into your eye. His sharp grasp on logical argumentation undergirds his later teachings in the Risale Nur as well. However, he found representation to be a more powerful method in teaching, clarifying, and in some cases even proving intricate matters. Using his mastery in logic, he combines the method of deductive logic 
and the method of representation and this is a deeper matter that you know that can be the subject of another discussion all we should know here is that logic undergirds but he's not going to poke rational argumentation and its nitty-gritty into into the audience's eyes rather he is going to present it using representation in a way that is palatable intelligible for everybody so he used it logic throughout his later works the representations of the Risale-i-Nur appear to be simple and easy sorry he used that representational method temsil throughout his later works and therefore the representations of the Risale-i-Nur appear to be simple and easy and sometimes people fall you know fall into this they they, they think that you know, he's talking about stories right no he's not talking about stories only those stories all are followed by really tremendous and, and, and abstract and complicated but really important and foundational and fundamental realities that simplicity actually reflects how well Ustad Nursi had digested and realized the vast body of Islamic knowledge that he was imparting in the Risale-i-Nur so simplicity is not a sign of superficiality sometimes it may be but it is that when it comes from superficial people who don't know what they are talking about Beduzama Said Nursi was appointed to the most prestigious institute of Islamic scholarship and thought in the Ottoman Empire he received the, 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 the alias the title Bedi'uzzaman the marvel of his time because of the uh, sharpness of his intellect and the depth of his knowledge he knows what he's talking about simplicity in his works is a sign of how he had digested knowledge information and providing it as pure milk even you know milk mother's milk babies newborn babies who are so sensitive drink it and it's good for them right in this age we are all like babies we are so sensitized I mean sensitized in, in I mean in a sense we are desensitized because we, we 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 can't recognize sins as sins evil as evil and so on and so forth but we are also sensitized in the sense that we are exposed to all sorts of challenges and problems that come to faith that our faith is as though it is hanging with a thin thin thread in the air right so he provides what he provides as pure milk that's going to be good for everybody because he has digested it the simplicity that is in there is a blessing from God now this said and this is also important there is Salenor does not demand blind following right it does not say here is what Beduzaman Said Nursi said and therefore you should take it because he's a prestigious author and a prestigious scholar and so on no that's not the case it addresses the intellect and the heart it does not demand blind following because of the scholarly authority or spiritual rank of the book's author and this is something that is really important in our age too this is how our minds tend to be shaped in this day and age when we go to public school this is how our minds are shaped we we, we, we don't like following uh, blind following 
based on the authority of somebody. It was not the case for the longest period of time in history and in the history of Islam. People saw a sheikh and because this sheikh was so blessed, they just took what he said or she said, right? But now our minds are messed up. So whatever argumentation is provided to us needs to address our intellects and hearts together and address them well. So the Risale-i Nur presents the intellect with convincing arguments that prove the verity of the teachings of the Quran and its blessed conveyor, Muhammad, the Messenger of God, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In doing this, the Risale-i Nur goes beyond synthesizing and reiterating the accomplishments of a long tradition of Islamic scholarship. Right? That's not simply what it does. It does that. Right? But it is not simple reiteration. It calibrates the teachings and arguments of that tradition to the challenges of the world since the scientific revolution, the age that we are living in, and resolves those challenges with sound evidence and persuasion. Right? So it is not simple reiteration. It is the calibration of the tradition for us for the minds of this day and age. Even in matters of the unseen that dialectical theologians have traditionally considered to be beyond the domain of rational argumentation, right? So Kalam scholars historically have uh, classified the things that they want to prove in two main categories, aqliyat, Things that need to be and can be proven with the using the intellect, using the tools of the intellect, such as existence of God, oneness of God, necessity of prophethood, that and that uh, uh, prophets uh, were sent, and Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a, a prophet, and sometimes the necessity of the hereafter. Other matters, right? Uh, the details of the events of the hereafter, resurrection, existence of angels, right, so on and so forth. They said, these are sam'iyyat, heard matters. Once you accept that the Prophet ﷺ is a prophet, everything that he says you have to take for granted and therefore just hear them and take them. Amanna wa sadaqna. And that is, that is true, right? But the minds, the messed up minds of the people of this day and age are not satisfied. They don't stop there. They seek evidence for all sorts of details and nitty-gritty, right? So, in his contribution to uh, the the usul, the, the methodology of kalam, Badr Zaman Said Nursi moves some of these issues of heard matters from the category of heard matters to rational matters. He provides rational argumentation for them too, proofs for them too. That is the contribution to the Kalam tradition in a nutshell, and of course this has lots of branches and details, but in a nutshell, right? Nevertheless, the Risale-i Nur also recognizes that what holds people off from having certainty in matters of faith, right? Why do people not believe? Why do those who do not believe do not believe? Why do uh, people living in Muslim countries born into Muslim families fall out of religion. I mean, that, that's a horrible problem that we are facing in this day and age. In many Muslim countries, 
and Muslim communities in non-Muslim societies. We are losing the youth. Why is this happening? Right? What holds people off from having certainty in matters of faith is often not a lack of rational proofs. Right? The more rational proofs you provide, don't assume that the more people will you know, come back to religion. No, that's not necessarily the case. Those proofs have to be there so that the intellect does not become an impediment before them, before uh, their, their uh, journey to religion, right? If you don't have the proofs, the intellect will prevent them from coming, right? But the true reason why that prevents them, right, at the end of the day, even when the proofs are there, are the weaknesses of the heart and the compulsive soul, the nafs. Therefore, the Risale-i Nur addresses the intellect, the heart, and the nafs, the compulsive soul, simultaneously. And this is also very important. The audience is not just the heart, right? It does not say, you know, those who have not tasted, those who have not traveled the path cannot understand this matter, let them stay outside the room. We are going to have a colloquy, we are going to have a uh, discourse with those who have a have a uh, share from the taste of spiritual matters and so on. So no, he does not say that. The Risale Nur does not say that. The Risale Nur is there to provide irshad, rightful guidance to everybody. Therefore, it addresses the intellect, the heart, and the compulsive soul simultaneously with a careful pedagogical approach, building things gradually, right? Using representations. First, it activates the imagination. With the method of representation, both the guide, guide the heart gently to a sound position and to demonstrate to the compulsive soul that true happiness and satisfaction in this world and in the hereafter lie in having certainty in faith and living accordingly. So it addresses the heart, right, and guides it to a sound position, oftentimes using the intellect to access the heart. Right, but what about the compulsive soul? What does it want? The compulsive soul wants you know pleasure and comfort and ease and so on and so forth. So it addresses the compulsive soul too. It sits down, you know, sees the compulsive soul in front of it and talks to it gently but forcefully, showing it that true pleasure, true happiness, true comfort in this world and the hereafter, not only in the hereafter, but in this world and the hereafter, lies in faith, lies in uh, believing in God and His Messenger and following the example that His Messenger has set before us. So it does not leave the compulsive soul out, outside the room to be, you know, degraded and uh, tamed and killed. And it needs to be tamed and it try it it it, but but it uses this, uh, you know, pedagogy to to tame it. At an age when uh, spiritual retreat that has conventionally been used to tame the uh, the, the lower soul, uh, abstention and so on and so forth, has become almost impossible to uh, to to implement. Right now, those who tame their uh, compulsive souls through uh, exposure to this pedagogy, right, understand the value in that further training 
and abstention and so on and so forth and they get there too through the Risale Inur, right? Uh, I mean, Bedouza Masayinur himself had a you know life of abstinence and frugality, and that's the, that's the example that he set for his uh, students, right? But the starting point is uh, is different. Now that was the first aspect of this pedagogy that the, the addressing the heart, the intellect, and the compulsive soul simultaneously, right? Another aspect: uh, the Risaleinur empowers its readers with certainty in the truths of faith and religion without exposing them to false alternatives to which one's compulsive soul may incline. And we already talked about this, right? It is not following the methodology of the conventional Kalam tradition or Kalam books. It is not listing, you know, 10 false points and then refuting 10 false points uh, in order to supposedly carry one to the right uh, position. No, it won't list you the 10 false points. It's not going to expose you to falsehood uh, with very few exceptions in which the proof is so powerful that you, you know, ex the exposure of the falsehood just exposes its absurdity, right? It's not going to do that. It has a more gentle approach. It does this by focusing on the truth, right? Truth is knowledge that corresponds to reality as opposed to various formulations of falsehood, and that is information that does not correspond to reality. While scholarly works of theology, kalam, often begin with the refutations of falsehood and then proceed to the description and proofs of the truth, treatises of the Risaleinur rarely employ the method of refutation. So refutation is the prime method of kalam. The Risaleinur rarely employs refutation. Instead, um, the treatises of the Risaleinur explain and establish the truth of faith and religion directly with a rich array of representations. So it shows you reality as reality is, and we already mentioned this, it's a repetition. It shows you reality as reality is, and when you are, if and when you are exposed to falsehood that has misunderstood reality or misrepresents reality, therefore describes reality not as reality is you know what reality is and you are going to be in a sense inoculated you are vaccinated right you are uh you, you already know reality and therefore the misrepresentation of reality will not affect you will not mislead you inshallah another important matter that we mentioned by but I really want to emphasize the concepts and arguments that the Risaleinur introduces with these representations, with this methodology, issue from and expand on a well-digested and internalized understanding of the Qur'an. The source is the Qur'an. The method is first understanding, internalizing, digesting that knowledge that comes from the Qur'an and then articulated it in that digested pure form. As such, the concepts and arguments um, that the Risale-Nur introduces stand out as timeless expositions of the reality as described in the Qur'an by the all-knowing creator of all reality. And therefore, reality as such 
Thus, an uninitiated reader who studies the Risale Inur does not acquire encyclopedic knowledge of the philosophical or theological positions that remain antithetical to the teachings of the Quran and so on and so forth. Right? No need to do that. Why should we accumulate an encyclopedic uh, garbage heap of falsehood? And unless you are in an academic field where this is part of your job and so on and so forth, why should you do that? But unfortunately, with the ease of access to information that we have attained in the modern world, in the like most modern world, like 21st century with Wikipedia and things like that, right? Um, and 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 with the um, with the inclination of the lower soul to derive some kind of pleasure from supposedly knowing more, but the word know here has to be understood as accumulating information, right? We tend to accumulate this garbage heap of falsehood. The more falsehood that one knows, right, the more ignorant one is. One does not become more knowledgeable by accumulating information about more, uh, you know, for uh, uh, falsehood, right? So, an uninitiated reader who studies the Risaleinur does not acquire encyclopedic knowledge of the philosophical or the kalam theological positions that remain antithetical to the teachings of the Quran. No, they they acquire knowledge of the Quran. They learn the rational as well as empirical proofs for the Quranic position on those issues. And the Quranic position is the position that's always right because if knowledge, true knowledge is, uh, truth is knowledge that corresponds to reality, the Quran is coming from the creator of reality, the knower of reality, right? So by reading the Risale-i Nur, its readers attain a comprehensive realization of reality. And this is the this is the purpose. This is the gist of the matter. This is the gist of the matter. Consequently, if and when they are exposed to misleading arguments, as we mentioned, you know, they find themselves to be fully equipped to recognize them as false and refute them on rational grounds. If they are exposed, if they are not exposed. They did not accumulate a list of garbage. They did not. You know, they, 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 what they learned is not falsehood. They, what they learned is reality as reality is, and that's always good. Because reality, uh, the created reality, is our means to getting to know our Lord, and our purpose here is to know our Lord. So the more we know reality, as uh, imprints of creation, God's work the more we fulfill our, our task in this existence. So that's all good. But we need to do it without having to be exposed to falsehood. And that's what the Risale Inur does. Now, um, this is all about you know, what makes sense. And this all makes sense and it is all about what makes sense. But there's one other issue that is really important. The Risale Nur is a blessed work. It carries the blessings of the divine inspiration that is also received from the Quran by God's leave.
as a result, decades of experience shows that it would Bedou Zaman Said Dursi died in 1960. His life is sealed. We know his life from beginning to end, and we know the impact of his life, and we know the impact of his work, right? Decades of experience show that shows that those who read the Risale Nur with a sincere intention and and uh, those who preserve, persevere, those who persevere to understand it are moved to action. So it's not just that you accumulate knowledge, but a sign of true knowledge is that when you are filled with it, it's like a cup that fills and if you pour more, it you know pours over, right? When you have true knowledge, you are moved to action. You want to share it. You want to act upon it. And those who read the Risale Inur, I mean, go around the world and find sincere readers of the Risale Inur and observe them. You will, you will see that these are all people of action, in one way or another. They will, they, you will see this urge to do something, right? To act upon that knowledge and to share it with others. As a sign of the knowledge that fills their hearts from their exposure to the Quranic light that refracts through the Risale Nur, they feel an urge. They feel an urge to share and spread that knowledge. Here, so but but you know what is the method? What 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 are the guidelines in doing that? What are the guidelines in sharing and spreading that knowledge? Right? Because sometimes people will be exposed to knowledge and they will want to share it, but because they don't have the, 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 the foundations, the guidelines about how that should be done, they do more harm than good. And this can be possible with the uh, you know, half-time readers of the Risale in or two, and it has happened with the half-time readers of the Risale in or two. Right? This is a book that needs to be read, read with sincerity, understanding, perseverance, continually, devotion, Right? But if you take just a, a piece of the study and assume that you, you got it and you, uh, you omit and neglect the, the, whole, uh, the whole package, right? the, 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 the holistic nature of the package, you will err. Right? And what, what you do when you do that is you are abusing the Risale. You are abusing this uh, light that God has and blessed us with in the in the age that we are living in right so the risale nur therefore provides uh guidelines about how to share and spread that knowledge spread that message too right and in a nutshell Ustad Nursi calls this positive action positive action musbet haraket in turkish right haraka uh maybe anyway positive action that is an underlying um, principle of the Risale Inur and the and the and the method of the Risale Inur. Uh, it's a you know long subject, but we can try to um, to summarize it in a few principles. And these are the principles. First, to act with confidence in and devotion to one's own cause and not be reactive in a world of fleeting conflicts. There are always conflicts. Open the news, listen to it, there will be a conflict about something today, and a month from now there will be another conflict about something else. 
people are always thinking and struggling with each other and so on and so forth if you keep reacting to things you will never be grounded you will never find your uh find find the foundation on which you will ground your feet right this is about reality as reality is this is from the source of the the source of all knowledge this is from the this is refracted this is refracted uh from the source of all true knowledge that is provided to humanity at its best form in its best form this is refracted from the quran right so act with confidence in and devotion to one's own cause and not be reactive in a world of fleeting conflicts don't deal with what other people are doing or saying right you focus on uh, understanding acting upon and representing truth second to move deliberately and peacefully with consideration for the well-being of all and with mercy for all this like mercy and compassion is an underlying really underlying principle in Buddhism on Said Nursi's work and also um, pure justice uh, sort of pure justice is something that really underlines Buddhism on Said Nursi's work pure justice requires that you don't harm those who are innocent in order to punish or chastise or discipline those who are not innocent right so you you um you think first and foremost about the weakest the most vulnerable um the the downtrodden the most disadvantaged you put those first and you think about their well-being first and foremost right and you look at them and everybody else of course with mercy and compassion and and you move in a tactful deliberate way in a peaceful way because when peace goes away um, oppression comes and it is those weak downtrodden disadvantaged who are hurt and harmed most when this happens I and mean, look what happened in the muslim world in the past uh, you know 10 plus years after the uh, revolutions of the Arab Spring it was all done with good intentions but what did it bring down right so deliberately with tact with compassion for the broader masses uh, for, for, for the weak and peacefully under all circumstances and to focus on only on presenting the truth and representing it in good character for while it is on to man to make an effort success and guidance are from god alone right so we focus on our task our task is to understand act upon represent uh, truth with good character in a way that that god demands uh, from us right but we do not focus on the consequences we don't we do not fo focus on the outcome outcome belongs to god when we do something for god's sake what we, what we acquire from that is uh, in accordance with our intention and God's will to, to reward us in return for that, right? We may do something with the wrong intention and it may result in an outcome like billions of people listen to us and are moved by what we do. But if we did that with the wrong intention, we don't acquire anything from it. But then we do something and nobody listens to us. Maybe one person listens to us. One person benefits from it. Maybe nobody benefits from it. 
but it's up to God to, to give us the reward. We focus on our task. We don't get involved in God's part. The outcome belongs to God, right? We focus on our part, and that is the, the, the underlying principle and secret of uh, sincerity, right? And sincerity is an underlying uh, aspect of positive action, and once again, positive action is the method of spreading, sharing and spreading uh, true knowledge that we learn from the Risale Inur. Okay, um, I know that this has been a long episode. Uh, we are probably in hour, to, hour and 20 minutes or something like that. Um, but I try to do it in one uh, sitting and inshallah it will be of benefit. In the next episode we will uh, talk about how to read the uh, Risale Nur and then inshallah we will move on to our uh, where we left left in, in reading the Risale Nur uh, before we started these uh, video series. Uh, once again please subscribe on YouTube uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please share if there is anything to be uh, corrected. Please share your feedback so that we can make this uh, better. Uh, please spread the word. Share the, the links uh, to these uh, episodes so that everybody out there can benefit from uh, this blessed, blessed source of knowledge that we have uh, in this day and age. سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم وآخر الدواه من الحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة